0: The Lord called Samuel. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in this place. The Lord came and stood there calling, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel." Then Samuel sped, said, "Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. And
1: the second reading is John 10:2 to 5 and 14 to 15. If anyone has the page number you want to read that out, that would be great. 922. Nine, Sorry? 922. 922?
0: 922. Nine, okay, can't we just read it? Yeah. <coughs> Okay, so chapter, John chapter 10, 2 to 5 and 14 to 15. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is the word of God.
1: Thanks so much, Jenny. Last week we looked at why we pray. There are many reasons why we pray, uh, but we looked at the, one of the perhaps most compelling reason of all, hopefully, which is the invitation to each of us to join the community of the Godhead. Remember we looked at the metaphor of the dance, uh, the dance of God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, all in this perfect union of love, of self sacrificial love, of glory in the other. And it's a dance that's been going on for all eternity. And the most amazing thing in the centre of this dance, the place of perfect happiness and pure joy and satisfaction that cannot be surpassed by anything else, we have been invited to join that dance. It's an invitation extended to, to us all to join him. And not only that, but Jesus made it possible for us mere mortals to join in that dance. And it might sound very esoteric and a bit theoretical, um, but as we enter into it through prayer and through the development of relationship with God, we get to experience this peace here and now, this love, this deep joy and this deep rest in our lives that will sustain us through the hardest of trials. The sermon's online, so if you missed it, you can find it on Spotify or on our website. And this invitation also speaks, though, to the how do we pray? Because as I said last week, when we understand this invitation, when we grasp to some degree the grace that has been offered to us, this should propel us into prayer in a way that no set of rules or devotional tick boxes or prayer formula will ever do. So as I kick off the next of the three weeks, which addresses how we pray, it's important to know that that invitation, so keep that in the back of your mind, that's not only the how, but the first, sorry, the why, but the first how. But there are three other points that I'm going to cover today as we begin to look at how we pray. We're going to look firstly at Jesus' call to follow him. We're then going to look at prayer as lifestyle versus spiritual discipline or spiritual practice. And then finally, we're going to look at what it means to listen. In prayer. These three all speak to our practice of how we pray. But as I kick off, I'm just going to start by praying. Father God, we come to prayer, Lord, with all sorts of previous experiences and thoughts. And um, Father, we just want to come to you this morning and have our hearts open to hear your word. Father, we believe you speak through your word. You speak to us personally, and we invite you to speak to our hearts this morning as we continue to worship you together. Amen. Have any of you heard of Caroline Gerben? No, I hadn't until a couple of weeks ago. But I realised I needed to do something to tone up my muscles post having children. Because sometime in the last four years they just disappeared. And they haven't seemed to come back. Um, I realised that if I want to run around after my increasingly active children, uh, I'm going to have to do something, or I'm going to damage myself as I reach out to grab one as they run across the street, or if I want to chase a ball around with them on the lawn, or go for that cycle with the kids. I got sick of walking and suddenly, and feeling like my thighs would just keep going. Um, so at the recommendation of a friend, I started following this lady called Caroline Gervin, who's this hardcore... Um, exercise freak from Northern Ireland. By following though, I I mean join her in my lounge on YouTube and do these kick butt workouts, which actually mean I couldn't lower myself onto a seat the next day. I couldn't hold a fork on day two. (laughs) Graham was wondering what was going on with me because I hadn't admitted to him that this is what I was doing. Follow didn't mean just watching the videos or like her Instagram posts. I actually don't follow her on Instagram or social media. But to follow was her, her was to copy her, was to see how she did it. And I was only going to get those muscles to burn and begin to kind of get strong if I was going to genuinely follow her. If I wanted to look in shape and be strong and be able to run around after the kids on the lawn, I needed to actually change my lifestyle. I needed to do these workouts and these cardio sessions, not just once a week or when I felt like it, but five times a week. And now it's actually beginning to become a habit. And I look forward to my sessions every morning. I can now sit down on a chair or the toilet after I've done one of these exercises. And some of us need to do the same when it comes to following Jesus. As John Mark Comer says, many of us want the life that Jesus has or the, or the perks, but we don't want to follow him and live the lifestyle that he lived. Does that make sense? We want the perks without the hard work, without actually living the lifestyle. If we want the peace, the joy, the fulfilment, the deep contentment and the wisdom that Jesus had, and a mature Christian has, we too have to follow him in that genuine sense. After all, that's what he told us to do. Come, follow me. Don't watch me, follow me. To quote that passage in Matthew 11 again from last week, Walk with me and work with me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And we talked about that passage last week. When we actually look at what Jesus did, he did a lot of praying. One theologian said prayer is the undercurrent to Jesus' biography. He did it constantly. Not only that, but he told us how to pray. Not once, but several times. And we're going to look in more detail in the next two weeks um, at what we know as the Lord's Prayer, where he specifically said, this then is how you should pray. Um, And it's really interesting that the disciples actually asked Jesus, um, because they must have grasped how important prayer was, but they actually specifically asked Jesus to teach them. And we don't have any records of of them asking Jesus, teach us how to heal the sick, or teach us how to deliver people from demons, or teach us how to um, enact social justice, but they did, these are all important things, but they did have to ask him how, teach us how to pray. Because it is the most important of all, and perhaps the most difficult sometimes to learn to pray. Teach us how to pray, Lord. So next week, um, Malcolm's gonna uh, dive into that specific passage, and then the following week, Michael's going to unpack that further. But for today, my first point as we address how we pray, is that we need to follow what Jesus did. We need to notice what he did and to do what he did. He prayed a lot. He often went to pray on his own. He prayed with the disciples. There are accounts where the disciples got up and Jesus had already left. He was gone before the dawn and he was greeting the day in prayer. He prayed up mountains. He prayed in boats. He prayed in the wilderness. He prayed in the synagogue. He prayed with his disciples and he prayed alone. His most anguished moments in life were in prayer. He is honest. He is real and he prays with real heart. And he prayed the words of scripture a lot. So for us to follow Jesus... To really live as Christ followers, as brothers and sisters of Jesus, we need to begin to pray more often. For some of us, it might just mean showing up on a more regular basis, showing up in prayer. Now, it can be awkward. It can be uncomfortable. It's not what we feel like doing. I loved what you said, Rowena, about praying even when you don't feel like it. But it will begin to shape us and grow us into that intimate relationship that deep down we all long for, whether we recognise it or not it will get us into that dance. Back to my exercise regime with Caroline. When I started, there was no way anyone was seeing what I was doing. Uh, it was, I was so unco, still am, but was even more so then. And only Josh, who doesn't care, was allowed in the same room. <laughs> gradually, he's my two-year-old, for those of you who don't know me. Um, gradually, my whole family have discovered Mum's new routine. And now all five of us do the workout together. It's quite hilarious. <laughs> with the kids all doing their own versions of various stretches. Um, it's not my idea of me time but I'm okay with that (laughs) but it wasn't easy when I started I felt awkward, I couldn't do the exercises or move some of them Um, my weights were like a tenth of what she was powerlifting over her head but I decided I wanted the results I wanted the benefits so I had committed to the lifestyle and to actually follow her now I don't fall over quite so often the weights of my dumbbells have increased slightly and I'm actually beginning to enjoy it I don't mind if anyone sees me but please don't turn up. Uh, And it's really fun to have Graham join me. He's actually a convert too. (laughs) But I have to um, show up every day or five days a week, even when I don't want to, when I don't feel like it. And do you know what? I've never regretted a session ever. Now I know it's a bit of a clumsy metaphor to prayer, but prayer too can feel awkward. It can feel like we don't want to do it. We don't want anyone to hear us. We don't feel like we know what we're doing. Or even if we're doing it right. A lot of the time, we really don't want to. But we all know we make time for things that are important in life, don't we? Things that we hold dear to our hearts. And prayer needs to become one of those things. Can I encourage you, if this is you, just to start to show up a bit more often. Once a day. Even if it's just for five minutes. Just to take that space. Even if it feels awkward. And even if you don't know what to say. Just to take that space. So that's my first point. If we really want to be like Jesus, if we want to to feel like he did, we need to pray a bit more. Just show up. Second point for today is to think of prayer in several ways. Now we both pray as a lifestyle and as a spiritual discipline. We often refer to that as a quiet time. In Colossians 4 verse 2, we read the instruction, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And similarly, in Thessalonians, Paul's instruction to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In some translations, that's pray continually. Eugene Peterson in the message says, pray all the time. Thank God, no matter what happens, this is the way God wants you who believe to Christ Jesus to live. And I used to hear these voices and feel exhausted about thinking about it. How do you pray without ceasing? How do you actually get anything done? How do you go to sleep? It's physically not possible to pray continually. But now I don't understand it to mean on your knees 24 seven in a spiritual discipline of prayer, but it's more adopting a prayer as a lifestyle, living every moment in relationship with God, seeing prayer as the communication response to relationship that he has initiated and invited us into. We'll actually be exhausted if we don't pray in this way. If we're trying to do everything on our own strength, we will burn out faster than anything else. See, prayer as relationship means yoking up to Jesus and sharing everything with him. It doesn't mean spending your whole day on your knees, as I thought, but it's rather going about your day in awe or in aware of his presence and offering up arrow prayers as you go, like one word or a couple of sentence prayers, like as you go, Too often we limit prayer, I think, just to those fleeting moments where we go and pray or we have that quiet time. But when we look at Jesus, he actually did both moments of going to pray and offering up spontaneous prayers wherever he was. Constantly in communication or communion with God as he went about in his day. In that conversation where Jesus speaks those words of Matthew, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, just prior to that, it's quite interesting, I'd never noticed it before, Abruptly, in Matthew 11:25 to 26, it says, Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. So he was having a conversation with some people, teaching some stuff, and he just spontaneously broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. And then he kept, resumed talking to the people. But now, tend come, are you tired, worn out, burned on religion. And he did this many times. And we too need to see prayer as a daily constant communication with God. It might be slightly weird if you're in the middle of a conversation with a person and you abruptly break into prayer that they're not expecting. But I think you know what I mean. This is our response as we walk closer to the Lord in that dance. But So that's the lifestyle type of prayer. But we also need to have these moments, those regular focused sessions, those quiet times alone with God, removing ourselves from distraction and offering up our prayers to God, practicing that discipline of prayer. And that's the second form of prayer to consider today. Tim Keller did this great book on prayer, and I was going to bring it to recommend to you. It is quite an intense, dense book, uh, so it's not like a, just a light holiday reading, but it is really good. I'll bring it next week. Um, but in that, he is quite direct about this, about the importance of doing this um, daily, whether we feel like it or not. He writes, of course, rudeness is too far, too far a weaker word. To use for failure to directly address your maker, sustainer and redeemer to whom you owe your every breath. I'll just read that again. Of course, rudeness is far too weak a word to use for failure to directly address your maker, sustainer and redeemer to whom you owe your every breath. When I read that, I felt quite like, oh yeah, that's, that's very true. It's very true. We owe him. He owes us nothing. And when it comes to prayer... It's different to the other spiritual disciplines. Other spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices that we do are meant to get you to an end goal. We don't fast just for the sake of fasting, for example. But when it comes to prayer, prayer is both the means and the end goal. We pray to know God more, and at the same time, the end goal is to be in prayer because that's in communication and communion with God. Intimate prayer is intimate relationship with Him. And prayer is like what a date night is to a marriage. I do life with Graham. We live together, we sleep side by side, we eat together, we both work from home a couple of days a week. And because of the nature and stage of our children, uh, we're actually together a lot. We just do life together. We are aware of the other, we always know where each other's at, we communicate with each other, and we're conscious of the other. But we still aim, and I say the word aim, (laughs) to have a weekly date night where we clear away all distraction and we give ourselves to each other fully in our attention without altering or sorry without allowing other things or people to distract us it's a time of communication which is different to that which we do in our everyday doing life together and the goal of these nights is that we would live into a deeper relationship and intimacy with each other not just for those 2 or 3 hours but that it would fuel for the rest of our life together all week long and all life long And the practice of prayer or taking those quiet times is kind of like what a date night is to your spiritual health. We stop for however long it is each day to clear away the distraction, to give God our attention fully and not allowing other things to distract us with the goal to deepen our relationship throughout the rest of the day, aware of his presence throughout the whole of the week and li- in, in life. And we do life with God throughout the rest of the day, of course, as I spoke before, aware of his presence. Um, and sometimes he just will speak to you. Sometimes he will say something when you're least expecting it. So that was my second point for this morning as we approach how to pray, to see prayer as both a spiritual discipline or practice um, where you get away, but also it's a way of life. It's a way of keeping company with Jesus. It's, a, it's what it means to pray continually. He's actually already with us. He's actually already there. We just develop an awareness of his presence with us. So that's the second one. And thirdly, we need to take time in prayer to listen. As we're all told when we're growing up, which I'm trying to teach my children, God gave us one mouth and two ears. So we need to listen more than we speak. This is difficult for us as children, and even as adults. There are many of us adults who want to speak more than listen. My dad still reminds me of that (laughs) how many times though do we listen to someone not actually to understand but because we're waiting to say our next thing we're not actually listening to hear what they're saying we're not genuinely listening to the other person we actually need to get better at listening in conversation with people and the same as with prayer we need to get better at listening to god's voice many times we only speak to god We don't pause to hear what he might want to say to us. We give him our tirade, our shopping list, our list of complaints, and then we walk away. And we wonder why God doesn't ever speak to us. Sometimes it's because we haven't given him a chance to. And I've heard one theologian liken this to going to a doctor and you present all of your list of concerns and complaints, and then you say, right, now I've got to go, I've got so much to do. The doctor hasn't even had a chance to tell you what's wrong with you and what treatments is he going to need to get better. And many of us don't want to listen, though, to God, because sometimes we might be scared of what he's going to say. For those of us who believe he's an angry and a distant God, we might think he's just going to tell us off or worse. Some of us have been hurt because we have thought we've heard from God, and then for whatever reason we've been disappointed or we might have gone out on a limb in response to what we th- thought we heard from him and things didn't turn out very well. Some of us have been hurt by someone saying something followed by the Lord told me or the Lord said. These can be very devastating wounds inflicted by lack of discernment and wisdom manipulation. And some of us are just too busy to sit still and wait for him to speak. Some of us have no margin in our lives to be able to sit still in silence. Some of us are so used to noise filling out every waking moment. We don't know how to sit in silence and wait for the Lord to speak. John Mark Comer recalls his Bible teacher uh, at Bible College saying that the most important thing to learn in life is to hear, to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. The most important thing in life. And while I'm thinking about it, that book that Becca has um, mentioned, um, the Unhurried Life. Ruthless. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, that's right. It's a brilliant book for helping you to eliminate some of that hurry and busyness so that we create more time for God. It's a brilliant book, and I'd really recommend you guys to join in, whoever can. Um, turn with me in your Bibles back to page 922. And as you're doing so, we we believe absolutely that God is a personal God, and that He speaks to us through His Word, yes, through Scripture. But he also speaks to us in our spirits, in our dreams, and in many other ways. It can take a while to recognise his voice, but as we heard in the reading today, which is we were flicking back to now, we can learn to recognise his voice. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out his own, he goes on ahead and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. This is such a beautiful picture of a shepherd, a defender, a protector of a flock, who have learned to recognize his voice. And in the recognition of that voice, they can follow the shepherd. And they're therefore protected from following the stranger who will take them off track. God has spoken to his people from the beginning of time. We read in Genesis of Adam and Eve speaking to God. Adam, um, Moses heard audibly from God at the burning bush in Exodus 3. And in 1 Samuel 3, as we heard before we read of that young Samuel, hearing a voice so audible that he thought it was Eli three times. And it said in verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He did not yet know and was therefore able to recognise his voice. And then as we heard, um, the next time Samuel heard his voice calling his name, he replied, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We need to do the same. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's very rare, unfortunately, that we will hear the Lord speak in an audible voice like Samuel got to hear. It does happen But we can often hear it popping more often into our consciousness as we recognise it as his voice and not our own hearts. It would be so nice if we could hear it audibly, wouldn't it? And actually many people say that if only they could hear from God audibly, they would believe in him. But many people did hear from God audibly in the days of Jesus. He himself was God speaking audibly, and we have pages and pages in the New Testament of his audibly heard words recorded, but still many did not believe who he was. They did not believe he was God, uh, so I doubt it would be much different now if he spoke. But because it is often subtle, it can be a learning curve to to discern what is God's voice and what is not. And that damage is done when people think that they can hear from God and do not use wisdom as they declare whatever they thought they heard God say, especially when it relates to other people. But the more we listen and the more we give space for God to speak, the more we begin to recognise his voice. I've had a few moments in my life where I have had to test what I thought was the Lord before I fully recognised it was him. And then I could say hand on heart that I had heard from him. Once was when I was 28 and my boyfriend had just, and I had just broken up. I was absolutely devastated that it hadn't worked out and that I wasn't married. And I can't exactly remember where I was, but I do distinctly remember one day feeling this very strong impression or a voice in my head to say, you'll get married when you're 34. Now, at the time, as a 28-year-old, I was horrified at the thought. It was six years away. <laughs> but I also thought I recognised it as the Lord's voice, but I tried to dismiss it away and tell myself it was just a random um, voice in my head because I didn't like what it said. But as the years went by and I got older and I hadn't met my husband, I began to hope like mad that yes, that was the Lord's voice and that I had heard it correctly. <laughs> And um, when I turned 34 and I was still single, or I had even had had another breakup, I decided it must have just been a random thought. Luckily, I'd never told anyone about it. And I pushed it so far down in my memory because it hurt that I totally forgot about it until two weeks before I got married to Graham. And the wedding date had already been decided. We were counting down the days. Everything had been booked. And I remembered, I came across it in my journal, that voice. And then I knew, yes, it was the word of the Lord because I was still 34. And I turned 35 three weeks after we got married. <laughs> now, it's a bit of a trivial example for you all. But for me, it cemented that God does indeed speak to us personally. And we do need to hear his voice. And sometimes he'll speak when we least expect it. The Lord impressed upon me in another time that same voice that we needed to stay at Holy Trinity, then rush off to Gateway, which is where I wanted to go when we first moved here. Uh, admission time. <laughs> um, And I was just walking out of the toilets at a party, God told me, or I felt like it was God's voice, and I could recognise it because um, I had heard him speak before. I was definitely not praying at that time. Um, And there are other times when I'm writing a sermon and I feel that same voice leading me one way or another, and it's important that I learn to hear his voice to continue to guide and lead me. Sometimes we get it wrong, and we have to grow in humility and wisdom and discernment as we hear and respond. And so it was imperative for Samuel that he learned to recognize and trust God's voice because he would become the prophet of Israel and hear from the Lord as he anointed two of the future kings of Israel. We all need to hear God's voice. We all need to hear God's voice. As Jesus says in John 10, so that we can follow in the path of godly wisdom and walk in the right way that God is calling us so that we will live lives that glorify him and join him in his work of bringing this kingdom to earth. There are some teachers out there who say actually that God no longer speaks and that we don't hear from God in prayer. Probably comes from a place where damage has been done because prayer can be subjective and wisdom is not always applied, and so it's easier and safer to say that God doesn't speak to us in prayer anymore. But the interpretation of Scripture also can be subjective in areas, and we no longer believe that Scripture should only be handled by a few academics or priests. We all have Scripture, and just like in prayer, we need to approach it with wisdom with humility and with God's help. If prayer is communication with God, communication with a God who is intimately personal and cares about your every moment in your life, speaking to his sheep, we can hear his voice when we pray. And what's important to know is that God's not a robot. He won't always speak to us when we want him to in the way that we want him to. Sometimes we'll sit down and we won't hear anything and that's okay. Because when I sit down to and he won't always strike up conversation. What's important is that we're together, and I'm able to listen if he does want to speak. Many of us need to begin to give God more space in our prayer time to let him speak, for us to be quiet so that we can listen. Many of us don't like the silence. We don't like what the silence reveals to us about our addictions to noise, to stimulation, to social media, but it's in the silence and the stillness that God often speaks. Just to be close with him when no words are said. And as I close, I want to close with what felt like another profound revelation for me this week. I sat down to pray one morning. I managed to get up before the kids and have a few moments of quiet. As I sat there, I realised that to just be in God's presence without saying anything and without any expectation of him saying anything to me was okay. And in fact, it was respectful. It was a subtle but a, di- but a dramatic shift for me. Up until then, a successful prayer time had been uh, if I'd been able to get through all my list of things that I needed to talk to God about, and then it was even better if he said something to me. Now, it's always good to bring a list of things to God, and um, it's always good to expect to hear from him too, because um, as we'll see in the next few weeks, we need him to sustain us, and he often does speak to us, But I realised how selfish I was being in prayer. It was all about what I was going to get out of it. What if, though, prayer was about me just taking my praise and adoration to God and giving him my attention and then not saying anything? Just focusing my non-distracted attention on him? Surely that's a successful prayer time. In fact, possibly more so. Before she died, Mother Teresa was interviewed and was asked the question, When you pray to God, what do you say? She thought for a moment, and then she replied, I don't say anything, I just listen. Profound day. Our homework for this coming week is to firstly just show up regularly to the practice of undistracted prayer, even if it's for five minutes. As we follow Jesus, let's increase our show up rate. And I'm speaking to myself here too. And leave your phones behind. Secondly, let's open our minds to living our lives in prayer in that constant communion with him, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, that living every moment in his company. And thirdly, let's allow some time in our prayer practice to be quiet, to shut up and listen with a surrendered heart, to hear him, so that we may learn to increasingly recognize his voice and obey where he, the good shepherd, is leading us.